going on devil fans welcome back to the trap podcast i am your host bill botch along with my buddy patty shambro patty how we doing buddy what's going on bill how we doing doing all right doing good doing good it's sunday uh december 3rd at 7 p.m and it's been about a week since we've uh last spoken and um there has been a lot that has gone on in the devil's world the pickle isn't with us right now i sent him an invite he hasn't responded god knows what he's doing but maybe he'll just pop in in the middle of the show, and that would be uh, interesting. And he probably won't even know that he's on the show. That's what that's the kind of that's what we're dealing with. Um, there has been a lot that has gone on, gone on in the past uh, three games since we last spoke, and you know, there's a diff- there's a couple different ways that we could approach this. We could start by doing it in chronological order, um, or we could assess the whole thing from a whole and what which would you prefer to do uh it's such like you know you've the uh the urge is to talk about friday night but i think we should do it in chronological order i agree i think we should do it in chronological order and it'll give it'll i feel like it'll set itself up correctly so uh the islanders come to town the devils have an important game versus islanders and we end up coming back from a two-goal deficit to win that game, despite Vitek getting pulled again. Um, and and Schmidt came in and played really good in that game, and I thought that the Devils showed a lot of the 2022-23 team in that game by being able to... Um, you, they were never out of it, so they were able to come back and, and, and play. They had Brendan Smith playing on the fourth line, which I think everybody has really... Uh, taking a liking to, um, I mean, off the top of your head, were you at the game on, were you at that game? Yeah, I was. Okay. And what, what comes to mind when you're, when you're thinking about that game? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that I successfully, uh, banished the Islanders fans from going on our ice. I know. And you heard (laughs) the last, you heard the last episode where I didn't want to talk about it too much without you on here. So yeah. It was funny. So you posted the thing, and then it got over a million views. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I can't believe the Devils actually listened to some, I know. Schmuck, some schmuck on Twitter. <laughs> we give the Devils, we give the Devils organization so much shit for not listening to its fans, and they actually came through and listened to us. Yeah, and they like, and like they're only letting Devils fans on the ice now. Which and it's like, I, thank you. Like, like if they want to go on the ice, do it at your own building. Like. Get the hell out of here. That was cool of them. That was cool yeah. to actually like pay attention to what the fans wanted and and, and pretty much initiate it right away. I had I heard so I heard so much groaning at the game 
Like I heard it multiple times from those from the Islanders fans just walking by them saying like, "Yeah, they told us a week ago we can't go on the ice." That's so. Good. That was my. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was me. You were paraded around on yeah. Devil Fan's shoulder. Uh, <laughs> yes, that night. Um, I was shaking. Big... I was shaking hands. I was a don. <laughs> yeah, you were. You were. People were kissing the ring. Yeah. This thing falling down. Yeah. Uh, But the other thing that comes to mind, like, you know, the grit that they showed in coming back, you know, I was a miserable, miserable guy sitting in that arena for the first two periods. You know, I was like, this is, that's like doomsday if they're getting tossed by the, by, um, by the Islanders. But they came back, they showed a lot of, like you said, the 2022 Devils. And it was like, all right, Kira came in and played. Um, We took down a decent team in the Islanders. Let's see how they do in let's, let's, you know, let's build off of this. And, you know, we thought we were building off of it going into Philadelphia. Um, I don't want to get too ahead, but you know, that's what I felt. Like you said, it looked like the 2022 devils, they fought back. Um, Jack said after the game, you know, a couple weeks ago, uh, I said, great teams find a way to win these games and we're just not it right now, right now. And then he said, tonight we were that team. And I agree. They were that team on Tuesday. Uh, a lot has changed since then, but, uh, what do you think? What was your What was your first thought that came to mind? Um, I thought the goaltending was an issue. Um, off the top of my head, I feel like Mike McLeod carried the puck really well, and I don't know if that's a combination of the Islander game and the Philly game both combined. But I feel like he was carrying the puck and was really feeling it um, for for that game. I thought that the Holtz. Uh, McLeod and Lazar line was really good. Um, and they're definitely showing some signs of promise. Uh, Holtz had another, another, uh, he scored in that game, right? Yes. Yes. I thought Holtz had a, had a big goal. Let me see what we got here. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure he scored. Hmm. No, so actually, I thought Holt scored, but it was actually it was Lazar. Lazar. It was yeah, Lazar right. that scored, but they were both right at the net, and I felt yeah. like either way, that line was really humming. McLeod had a goal. Jack Hughes had, I think, nine shots in the game, so he was playing really well and carrying the puck really well. Um, you know what was funny to me was Brendan Smith beat up Anders Lee, and then Anders Lee like skated around the ice like he was a tough guy spitting his blood off of himself, and it was like, dude, like he got his ass kicked. You just got your ass kicked. Like Brendan Smith bodied him twice uh, during that shift, laid him out, and then and then won the fight. Like totally owned Anders Lee, and I was going nuts for Brendan Smith. I was I was on on to both feet, clapping, screaming for Brent, for Brendan Smith. You know that was just a. That was his best shift as a devil was throw throwing two hits totally. and, and, and fighting and fighting Anders Lee. Um, I was re- I was really happy to see that. You know, it's kind of like a redemption arc for for him. You know, he's kind of thrived the last two weeks. I think a week and a half. Yeah, no, no, you know, no he's, totally. The Devils I mean, fans aren't complaining about Brendan Smith the last week and a half, which is it's like all right. Most of the fan base is seeing that that we have bigger issues than Brendan Smith, and he and I like him as a forward. I do. Um, who, who saw that coming? <laughs> Not me. But, uh, you know, Holtz, like, I guess, yeah, but Holtz was playing, has been playing great. You know, he's been the bright spot over this right. roller coaster over, 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 over run here we've had. Um, and, you know, he's played his best games the past couple, past couple nights. Um, and, you know, I was really, 
confident after the Philly game. But if you want to get into that, we can. But uh, the Islanders game, they fought back. The goaltending was still an issue. I'm worried about Vitek. Uh, Mikey has been playing, has been, I've been a big Mikey guy all year. I really love how he carries the puck and he opens up space for, for Holtz, for Holtz's shot. And it's just, I think it's a match. It's a really good match, but, um, yeah, fuck the Islanders. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, the Islander fans in the building were definitely obnoxious, but they kind of like get it as well. So they were talking shit, but then you could give it back to him and they were like pretty respectable. Although there was a crazy dude in the bathroom, like literally an actual like mentally ill, crazy person in the bathroom who was wearing an Islanders jersey and he was yelling in the ears of everyone while they were at the urinals peeing. Um, and he's like, this is what we do going into like the third period and saying crazy stuff. And I actually thought he was just with the guy that was standing next to me taking a leak. But the guy next to me was like, dude, I've never met this guy before. I'm like, He's crazy. Like I'm taking no ownership for him. And he was acting really nuts. And sure enough, the police, actually, we have these two, like, uh, Newark, off, you know, they're not off-duty. I guess they're working overtime at The Rock. And they had to go down and, like, calm this guy down at one point. Um, he was strange, too. Like, yeah. he might have had something going. He might have had deeper issues going on. He was wearing a big, like, set of uh, head headphones uh, during the during the game. So I, I don't know if he had something else going on, but he was, there was some craziness going on. We actually um, had an issue up, up, you know, in the cheap seats, uh, uh, an Islanders fan, a drunk Islanders fan fell over his aisle. Nice. And like over a woman and child. Oh geez. Yeah. And he got, he got the boot, but, uh, that was, you know, they were just caught, they were causing problems. And, you know, earlier in the year on this podcast, I said, I like Islanders fans. Yeah. I have done a total 180 on that in the last week and a half. Yeah, they <laughs> I hate lot, them. They got a lot to say. This one dude in my section was getting really rowdy and he was talking a bunch of shit and he was there with like five of his buddies, but he was wearing a scarf. And I said, dude, like Santa's a little helper. Sit down, take it easy, and it's uh, <laughs> a good one. Yeah, I'm, steal- he, I'm stealing and then, that. And then everyone started giving him the Santa's little helper, and that turned into a thing. And um, that's fucking and, great. Yeah, and then as the game uh, turned in our favor, one of the things that did happen was Akira Schmid came in, and he looked really solid as he took over VTech. And we've seen this before from Schmid. Whether or not whether or not his starts have been good is one thing, but. When he comes in in relief, I think he plays really solid uh, coming off the bench. So that was really good to see. And then that's depressing. They, I know. <laughs> when, I know when he comes in relief, he plays great. <laughs> that's not. That's not one of the good. That's not a. That's not a good stat. But they did uh, play him again in Philadelphia, and he got peppered with shots. And uh, I don't have it directly in front of me right now. I could pull it up. I think he had forty-four. It was it was a lot. It was in the 40s, yeah. So he had 47 shots against, and he made, um, yeah, he made 44 saves. So Vitek or um, Schmidt looked really good. The team, I knew that they were going to have a difficult task with this Philadelphia team. Philadelphia has played very well. They're gritty. They do the little things. It's very John Tortorella style game, and. Um, they played tough. There was a couple plays that happened in this game that we can go over. And the first to me would be the hit on Luke Hughes by Hathaway. Now, to me, it was a clean play. I didn't like it, obviously. Um, you were at the game. Now, yep. to me, like the way that I look at it is the linesman could have got 
him killed. And at the, and like the linesman did not blow the whistle when they were supposed to. It led to the play being open. Luke Hughes left his guard down, which we've seen time and time again with NHL players. Players have there's been you know the physicality is not what it used to be like it was in the 90s and whatnot. But players have to still be responsible for defending themselves when they're on the ice and being aware when they're on the ice. We've seen this with Nico Heischer. We've seen this with multiple players. Hughes just was not ready to get bodied. And Hathaway, honestly, just like if there's no whistle, he he finishes check. Do I do I like it? No. Was it the length of the ice that the guy skated before he hit him? Yes. So there could have been maybe a boarding call or something like that. But um, either way, I thought that the Flyers and Tortorella had a legit beef when it came to the game misconduct, a five-minute penalty, which I, I didn't think was warranted. But I didn't like the hit overall because the linesman put Luke Hughes in a really weird situation. So um, when he went into the boards, it looked really nasty. I definitely did not think he was going to be back in that game. But... Um, yeah, what are your what are your thoughts on that situation? It was one hundred percent the linesman's fault, and I thought the I thought the hit was clean as well. Um, I think John Tortorella said it perfectly after the game. You know, uh, this league has turned into taking they're taking hitting out of the league, um, and play, young players today just don't know how to take hits. You know, and. Uh, it, it's a lot. He he said it's a lost art for for him, and I and I agree. Being able to take those big hits and you know defend yourself, like you said, um, I did not think it warranted a game misconduct. I thought a boarding penalty would a penalty was necessary, but it was, again, sure. it was the linesman linesman's fault. Like blow, you have to blow the whistle, dude. If it's going to be icing, you have to blow the whistle. If you're not, yep. he finished he finished the play. You know, you, I'm sure John Tortorella had. No issues with Hathaway after the game. He said, "Yeah, I want." Him. Probably said, "Finish your damn check." Exactly right. it was probably exactly what he said. Um, I did not expect Luke to be back. I thought that was a serious injury. Uh, I was. Uh, I will also say uh, Philadelphia is a great place to go see a hockey game. The arena is fantastic. Uh, all of their food concessions are open. I will wow. say that it's a really That's- novel concept. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Big time. Is that the first arena that you've been to this year where the where the um, the food concessions are open? No, because I did go to San Jose earlier in the year. Uh, oh. So you know, uh, really novel concept, I know. Um, but no, it was great. I loved it down there. Uh, Xfinity Live is fun. I ran into Brat Pack. Uh, we you know we got a little bit of a Let's Go Devils chant started in the in the parking lot after the game, we were having, right. we were, it was fun. You know, uh, there was a lot of devil's fans there. A lot of devil's fans trying to get the let's go devil's chance started. I don't know if we got it. We're able to get it heard on TV, but, uh, the woos were loud and proud after after goals. Uh, there was a lot of devil's fans down there and I encourage you all to, to make uh, the trip. I know Philadelphia has this reputation, but it's as long as you are not a jackass, you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah man i i mean i know there's like that the philadelphia has this like crazy reputation where you're gonna go there and you're gonna you know you're gonna have 50 people uh like jump you while you're trying to use the bathroom or something like that strangers all beating you up at the same time like i think uh there's a lot of myth that goes into that don't get me wrong i wouldn't go to an eagles game in a giant jersey and aqua no. but um 
Yeah, that's that's cool. That I mean, and you saw last year the Rangers fans kind of took over um, the Wells Fargo Center, and uh, and it was really like it really rubbed Philadelphia, the city of Philadelphia, the wrong way. There was like a lot of press about that, but um, I thought that Luke Hughes was going to be out for a significant amount of time after watching him go into the boards. It was pretty nasty. Siegenthaler got in there and tried to step and tried to you know step up for him, but this is but he uh, didn't. No, this is, this is a very this is a, a pretty uh, consistent non retaliation uh, response from the Devils team, and uh, I, I mean we've kind of beat this to a, you know we've talked about this over and over again. At some point, they're going to need to add some toughness, or you're going to need somebody that's going to need to step up. Um, one of the plays that I thought was really strange in the game was Nico Heischer falling on his face in front of the net with pretty much out anybody really touching him or driving him to the ice and not bracing himself in a real, uh, I don't know if you've ever watched the naked gun, but Nordberg OJ Simpson's character in that it was a very Nordberg type move where he just fell directly on his head and almost knocked himself out. So he, I thought, you know, you see, guys that have concussion symptoms and then they go and they take a pretty light hit or they have any kind of impact regarding their head. And then those symptoms act right back up. And it's very easy to get concussed uh, after you're dealing with a prior concussion. I, I thought for sure he came out and he took a shift. Then he went back into the, into the dressing room and I thought for sure he was going to be, he's got something going on and he was going to have an upper body injury. We weren't going to know about it for a couple of days, but he got right back out there and got back on his horse and was able to um, finish this game up, which the devils ended up giving up two goals um, in the third period, which was uh, a little heart wrenching because we outplayed them. I thought we outplayed them or, it was, it was, we probably outplayed them, let's say 60, 40% chance of winning the game, in my opinion. Um, and then obviously overtime comes and once overtime comes, we typically, there's very few teams that could roll with us as far as talent and speed. So I think that overtime three on three lends itself to the devils. And, um, sure enough, Nico, Luke and Jack on the ice at the same time. They're able to get the puck. Nico passes it up to Jack, and Jack is able to really – it's a really underrated pass, in my opinion, that he makes over to Luke right into his wheelhouse, and Luke is able to finish. He gives him the bow, and I'm sure that was an exciting moment to be there um, in Philadelphia. Oh, I, I was – it was very exciting. You know, I went with my brother and two of my close friends. Uh, uh, you know, as overtime started, my brother Sean, he was like, i got to go to the bathroom. I was like, dude, like, do not go to the bathroom, like – do you know anything? We go to all these Devils games. Right. You should know that they're that they are elite in overtime. Like, do not go to the bathroom. He's like, I got to do it. And he goes like he like, and they scored what? What was it? Eighteen seconds into the eighteen yeah, seconds. Exactly. It was it was fun to be in there in that moment. You know, uh, res- a, a slightly respectable excitement for me. I didn't want to be a jackass right. uh, in Philadelphia, but uh, I was going. I was getting pretty after it. Um, uh, <laughs> After after that, uh, my brother comes running down the stairs. I fucking missed it. And it's like, yeah, I know you missed it. I told you you were gonna miss it. Uh, uh, but it was fun. Uh, 
the parking lot afterwards was a lot of fun. You know, we were definitely blasting some some Springsteen uh, and oh, some nice. rock and roll and some rock and roll part two in the parking lot. A lot of uh, and a lot of Devils fans were, were coming up to us. So it was it was fun. It's uh, always fun to win on on opposing ice. Yeah, I might need to take the trip next time. Um, it's funny. My my dad has this like innate ability to pick the worst times to go take a leak. <laughs> And uh, he he went to the bathroom when David Tyree caught the helmet catch. In the oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst one I've ever heard. <laughs> you can't even make that up. Um, but one of the plays that happened in this game that uh, stood out to me was the Brendan Smith play in, in the third period. And it, for this, we're going to we're going to create a little it's going to be a little spinoff that we're going to do as part of the trap podcast that we'll bring up uh, when we see this. But. We're going to call this People's Court. <laughs> All right. In the first episode of People's Court, we are going to talk about Brendan Smith getting a two-game suspension. Connectony comes over to Brendan Smith as he's getting off the ice and clearly gives him a cross check to the kidneys, to the side, to the ribs, whatever you want to call it. That was a penalty. They ended up, they fined Konechny after the game. They did not give him a penalty during the game, but they fined him after the game $5,000. They gave Brendan Smith a penalty. This is at the end of a divisional game. They gave him the penalty. They did not see the Konechny penalty. The pe- and if you look at the replay, the ref is looking right at, down the ice at them. Explain this to me. How the fuck does Brendan Smith get a two-game suspension when Jacob Truba literally Johnny Appleseeded somebody's head, two-handed him a, a week prior and got a $5,000 fine? Explain this to me. I don't care that, you know, people are looking at the Truba, the Truba high stick and are saying, well, maybe he didn't mean to do it because he was, you know, off balance and he, he took a swing at him trying to regain his balance. It doesn't matter when you're talking about a high stick. If someone gets their stick in someone's face, even if it's unintentional, that doesn't mean that the play didn't happen. That doesn't mean that it's not a, a penalty. So, it looked to me like, and and it was Trent Fredericks, I believe, right? Or, yeah, yeah, Frederick. Yeah, and, and like he's such a he's such a, like a a guy that could get under somebody's skin and is like borderline dirty player and an annoying player. And to see Truba two hand him in the side of the head, it had very real Donald Brashear, Marty McSorley vibes to it, um, and that was. And that play in defense of Truba, that play was clearly intentional. So whether or not this play with Truba was intentional or not, it's just something that can't happen in the NHL. And when the NHL players' safety comes out and they try to you know, talk about the player's safety is our number one regard and this and that, it's such bullshit if you're not going to suspend players for two-handing other players in the head with their stick and not being a controller stick. I don't want to hear anything from you. And I thought that to give Brendan Smith 
a two game suspension for cross ch- for slashing someone in the arm compared to slashing somebody in the head was total BS. And I had to at least bring that up. No, um, I will start by saying I think that Brendan Smith absolutely deserves to be suspended. Um, you know, something you can't do. Like it would. Like I wish he just would have. You know, hit him with his fists. You know, sure. just grab. Yeah, you know. Um, but I. But you know, stuck up for himself. Uh, I'm, I don't really have a problem with it. To to be honest, like you know, whatever. He deserved to be suspended. Don't have a problem with it. But I have no idea. How you suspend how Brendan Smith gets two games and Jacob Trouber just gets a fine? I mean, I do have an idea. It's because of the team he plays for, um, and because he wears the C. Uh, I think that entirely plays into it. And if you don't, you know, I'll sell you a bridge. Um, and Brendan Smith is, you know, low, little guy plays plays for a smaller market. Absolutely, I that's you can call me crazy, but I think that's exactly what's happening. Um, Jacob Truba. If you don't think he did that on purpose, you know, I, I really don't know what to tell you. Yet. Like, I didn't do it on purpose. Yeah, and I'm playing shortstop for the Mets. Yeah. Like, like, there's no way. And even if he didn't do it on purpose, like, you're, you're, in char- you're responsible for your stick. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it was an accident. You hit a guy in the face with your stick. Um, it's, it's unacceptable, and Truba is... You know, he's turning into this player because he provides nothing anywhere else on the ice. He's an absolute zero. Um, he's just, it looks to hurt people. That's what I I'm mean, saying. Like, and, he and looks to hurt people. And that's what I'm and saying. It's not even, he, he has a history of injuring people. Like, regardless of how you want to do it, his history does not lend itself to giving him the benefit of the doubt. No, you know what I mean? not like, at all. It's like if Patrick Eliash hit somebody in the head, two-handed somebody in the head, you would say, whoa, that's, like, pretty uncharacteristic. Or Jack Hughes or, you know what I mean? Like, Brian Leach, two-handed somebody in the head, you would say, geez, that's really not something he would do. Maybe, you know, maybe he was off balance. Jacob Truba has a history of trying to injure people. And it's like, you you do not, he does not earn the benefit of the doubt. So... Uh, I thought I, I was really disgusted, like, and I really wonder what goes through the head of the NF, uh, the NHL Players Association trying to um, defend that because that's a non-defendable offense. That and what scares me is that could be something that gets brought up in future instances where you know, if God forbid, if somebody acts completely out of line, like a Kachuk or. Or, you know, even just somebody trying to make a name for themselves who's who's getting involved in things and does something stupid like that, they, they're going to be able to refer back to this Truba incident and, and look for some sort of, um, you know, like, it, it, the whole thing. The whole thing was gross. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's shameful, really. I don't... It's it's almost like I don't have any words for it that like because you know he he's gonna do it again like I would if that was my if that was my game like he's gonna like and that's what he does he tries to hurt people because he provides nothing else anywhere on the ice he will throw his he will throw his shoulder his elbow into somebody's head to lay a big hit or to take out. Uh, take out a bit, uh, unknown player on the other team. It's just what he does because he can't do anything else. Yeah, yeah, it's become his mo. That's a shame too. 
Um, one of the big losses that we had was the loss of Dougie Hamilton tearing a pectoral muscle. That is a long recovery, and uh, he went in, he got surgery, and his timetable is unknown. That's going to be a season-ending, you know, that's a season-ending injury, which is a big loss. This team has faced a lot of injuries to start the season. We got pretty lucky last year with the injury bug, and and this year uh, it's starting to catch up to us a bit between Timo, between Jack and Nico and and now Dougie and Dougie being gone for this amount of time is um, there's going to be a lot of people that need to step up. And I don't know who's really capable of taking over a spot like his and we'll, we'll hop right into it. But um, what was really as exciting is we had won three games. We're going into Friday's game versus the Sharks and the Sharks have not won a game on the road yet. They've scored six total goals on the road the entire season. And it's the first call-up of my boy, Simone Nemitz. And I was really pumped. Like, this is a guy that I've been wanting to see for a long time. Um, I, I like them. I, you know what? To be completely honest, when they drafted him, I, was, I wasn't happy. I wasn't sad. I was actually like, I need to look more into him. I like the thought of dra- of drafting a right-handed defenseman because those are some of the hardest positions to fill on the ice. And then the more I looked into it, the more I saw this kid's hockey IQ and the vision that he had. He's one of the things like I could tell you is he's built like a grown man, even though he's 19 years old, he's big dude. Like he's, he's definitely thick and he's a big kid. And um, I was excited to see him because his thing is his vision and he's aware of what's going on on the ice at all times. And he is able to push play from the back end. But he's supposed to be a two-way defenseman. So I was really pumped to see him come out on uh, Friday night. Were you? Where were you on Friday night? Were you around? Or? No, I actually didn't get to watch the game on Friday night. Uh, I, watched it, uh, I watched it today on my ride home. I was in Washington, D.C. I was checking out. Uh, it was a... Uh, it wasn't for work, but I was watching. I went to the Georgetown game for work, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, I went to their. I was in their, and you know, just to check them out because I'm doing a couple of Georgetown games this year. Um, you know, and was hanging out with some friends down there. Uh, so I didn't get to. I didn't get to watch the game live. Uh, I wasn't. Uh, gave basketball? the tickets to. Yeah, Georgetown basketball. So George, uh, so listen. So when I was growing up. Georgetown basketball was my basketball team. That was my favorite. Okay. That was my favorite collegiate team. Oh man, I wish my dad was on this right now. And my favorite gift that I ever got for Christmas was a Georgetown Hoya starter jacket. Oh, yeah, the jacket, was, the jacket. It was badass. And I, uh, I was a big Patrick Ewing, Nick, like Nick's guy too. Yeah. So like he was, he was my guy. And then they used to just like pump out like centers back in the day. And that was like, that was my team. But, uh, oh, that's awesome. Georgetown's really cool too, right? Yeah. I, I like area. Washington. I like Washington, DC. It's a good, it's a good city. A lot of good restaurants. Uh, I met up the with ex- some old, some old friends. Stairs. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> stairs. Uh, my friends wanted to go to that. We didn't, you know, but I did the whole thing. I actually went to the, uh, Arlington Cemetery this morning before uh, oh, cool. driving before driving home, uh, so it was a good trip. But uh, you know, I was lit. I was you know at the Georgetown game, and uh, 
you know, and like hanging out with friends and, you know, wasn't thinking about the devils because I was like, they're playing the fucking sharks. Like, I know. whatever, they should, they should take care of business. And then like, I look, I look at my phone and I was like, we lost to the goddamn sharks. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's like panic mode is now in session. Yeah, it was so bad. So I went up, I brought uh, Nina and Bo and we got, we got seats right down on the glass for the warmups and Nemitz came out and did his first laugh and he had like the fucking shittiest grin on his face. <laughs> he was so happy. You could tell it. You know, like, you see something like that and you realize that this kid, you know, he's from Slovakia. He's been playing his entire life waiting for this one moment. He has this moment all to himself and it's only 30 seconds and he gets two laps around and he had this big grin on his face. And it's almost like if you're like a a snowboarder or something and you get like first tracks at like this epic snowstorm, you know what I mean? And you're like, you're first out on the mountain. He was just so happy. And it was really cool to see because I've been I've been looking forward to seeing him play, and then, um, but sure enough, his first shift, he gets caught out of position, covers the wrong guy, and leaves a guy back door, and they end up scoring on him. I'm like, oh geez, like this is the kid's literally his first shift. He he gives up a goal, so that was I was like, oh my god, but not not for nothing. The rest of the game, he played really good. He had one more defensive lapse, but besides that, he was a monster. He was one of our better players on the entire ice, and he played 22 and a half minutes, and he had two assists. He had 12 shot attempts. Um, I love it. That's crazy. And, I love it. Uh, and then he, when he was on the ice, there was a plus 30 shot differential when he was on the ice. That's crazy. That is, that, you know, that's Those are shot attempts. Those are actual shots. That's Niedermeyer esque, you know. That that's that's crazy. It was it was intense, um, and he had a he had a couple really good scoring opportunities. Uh, and with Dougie gone, he, now he's quarterbacking power play too. Um, but he made a couple passes. One pass, he was down in the corner, in the offensive zone, down below, uh, um, like the the right dot, and he passed it diagonally across everybody in the entire ice to the to the um, point on the left side for a shot. And it was just like how anyone could have seen that to me. I was like, that's insane. But he has just great vision on the ice, and he looks like he's going to be good. He could skate well. I think um, he's going to make some defensive gaffes, no doubt about it. But, you know, Schmid let up five goals on 17 shots. Yeah, I mean, but to, um, back to the just – want to tally off of the Nemesh stuff like looked great I watched the game today um he's here to stay he's not going anywhere uh I'm really excited for him you gotta you can't get too mad at the defensive laps yet uh you know you should they they're expected you know first NHL game you know he's 19 years old that's gonna happen but the great thing is like you know you we all saw the potential there and like the thought of having Luke Hughes and and this kid in the coming years is just ridiculous, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, Akira Schmidt, did you think um, – did you want them to start Schmidt on Friday night, or did you think they should have went with Vitek? You, you know what? This is like that's – a, that's a good question, and I think it's fair to Lindy Ruff to where there were so many Devils fans that were like, Vitek has not been able to stop anything. Schmidt had can't come in – and relieved Vanacek in the Islander game and looked really sharp. And then he played in the 
flyer game. He looked really sharp, but he'd seen a lot of rubber and played quite a bit. I was surprised to see that Schmid was going to play. At the same time, you know, I wouldn't have been the guy that would have complained if Schmid didn't play, but there's a lot of people that were like, let's ride him out while he's hot. And I, I would have completely understood that. Um, but you don't often see a goalie playing a back-to-back. You know what I mean? I don't think that that's – I don't think it's that big of a deal. Like He's I think probably he never should, done that, though, like I ever. Think, I think he should be able to come in and play. But, my God, he, he couldn't stop anything. It was bad. Um, and real quick, like, you brought up Luke Hughes. And at one point, Luke Hughes and Nemitz played on a pairing together. And it was, it was really cool to see. And I just want to give a shout-out to Luke Hughes because I gave him some shit for sure coming into the season. And I wanted to let it be known that, like, you can't pull this Michigan. I'm all over the ice. I'm able to do whatever I want to do. And in the NHL and get away with it and make those stupid passes across your own blue line and, and behind the back passes and this and that. And he has been nothing but steady. He's been the complete opposite, which I am so impressed with. And I'm really happy for him. And I'm happy for the organization that we don't have to go through these crazy learning pains with him. And he's able to really give what the other team, or he's able to take what the other team gives him and he's not trying to do too much. So shout out to Luke Hughes for really handling himself like a pro. I think it takes a lot of maturity for a kid that has relied on his skill and his ability and being better than everyone else his entire life to be able to go out there and maybe slow things down for a little bit and make the easy play once in a while. And he's done just that. So um, I'm really happy with the maturity that he's shown in his game so far this season. It probably helps when you got uh, two big brothers like that. Sure. To, with your maturity in the NHL. But, you know, what's weird is, like, we kind of even saw, like, a little bit of it in the Carolina series where he tried to maybe do, like, a little too much or whatever. I mean, it's just – it's in his DNA. That's what makes him great is that he has the ability to think outside the box and do some difficult things that no one would think to do. So it's, like, hard to I, – I could under, I could see how it would be very hard for a player who relies on – thinking outside of the box and doing some stuff that people would never think that you would do and has gotten him to where he is today. And then maybe trying to repress some of that and just like playing it simple and picking and choosing your spots like a counter puncher would. So um, I was really, I was really impressed. I've been really impressed with his game over the first 20 games of the season. He's, he's really, he's going to be phenomenal. He's really that good. Yeah. He's fantastic. Um, I, want, I do want to try to dive back into you know we you know we can gas up Luke Hughes but I think we we got to talk about Friday a little more <laughs> yeah uh, you know like you like um, uh, I I'll credit the uh, I'm going to credit the Uncle Puckers guys I was listening to them because uh, I actually thought they should ride the hot hand and go with Akira I was like yeah I think that's the right move uh, the Uncle Puckers guys said on their recent episode you know it just it just reeked of desperation like how can you how can you just decide he played one decent game against Philadelphia and now he's just the guy? And I totally agree with that statement now. Uh, and they were, they're right. It did reek of desperation. It's like they're forced. I felt like they for, they were forcing. Now that I can look back on it, I feel like they were forcing a, uh, a round peg into a square hole. You know, just like this is our, 
this is our guy, even even though he really didn't play that well in Philadelphia. But because he had a decent game, we're just going to trot him back out there after stopping 44 shots uh, 24 hours earlier. It, uh, I know you, it's armchair quarterback, but it, you, you, he's probably never done that before in his entire professional life. Probably even back to juniors, he probably never did that. Well, Go back to back. You know, you know what like strikes me strange is like if Lindy was so high on Banachek for so long to where he didn't want to really give Schmid the start, why all of a sudden are now like Schmid is your guy and you're going to play him on a back like they never play anybody on a back to back. Now you're going to play him on a back to back. It was like it was it was like really it doesn't seem like it's really well thought out. You know, if you remember last year, there was plenty of games where he was like, well, this is the goalie that we had planned as the season went on, and this was going to be his start no matter what. And they, and they said that. And I don't necessarily agree with that either. But I, I would agree with you. It did. It felt like it felt there was some desperation. Force. It, seems, it seems like they're unsure of themselves, um, for sure. One of the guys that had a really rough game, and – just to point it out, he had 18 shots in the previous two games and was MVP caliber type player. But Jack Hughes tried to do way too much in the game on Friday and turned the puck over way too much. And this is a problem that I've seen with the team when they play versus opponents that aren't up to their skill level is they get away from their structure and they try to turn it into this wild, wild west hockey where we're going to carry the puck. We're going to do all these fancy things. We're going to out talent you. And that doesn't always work. And I thought that Jack was pretty, um, he was pretty, he was responsible for a lot of, um, turnovers. And, uh, you know, I was talking to, to friends of mine, my buddy, Mike Mignon and, uh, a couple other friends and during the intermissions and they were like, we should, and he's, he brought up to me, we should bench, we should bench, and I said, they're never going to bench you, but I understand where you're coming from. Like he's, he's getting way, he's, he's taken off. Like he's gone, he's on his own planet right now. And we need to like reel him back in a little bit and get involved in the game as a teammate. You know what I mean? Um, so I thought that Hughes had a rough game. Holtz did not have his best game. There was a lot of players that really, you know, one of the guys that keeps contributing is Toffoli, um, who has been, you know, one of the things last year that we had a problem with is we we didn't necessarily have the most amount of finishers, and now you have a guy like Holtz and you have a guy like Toffoli, and they moved Holtz to the power play in Philadelphia, and he was like, if you put him on a power play, they, they put him on in, instead of Brat, and um, they had him on the left wall with a right shot, and it opened up the ice to him, and I thought that, and when he gets the puck, he's shooting. Um I like that. I think that there's a. I think that that is an opportunity, even if it's on the second power play. You want to put him there. That's fine. Um, but you have to like the finishing that you've seen from Toffoli. He's been one of our better players, and we talked about it on the last episode where he he laid on the bomb for the team after the the couple of horrible losses that they had. Um, here, tell me about this. Tell me what you think of this. So. The Devils are going to lose Hamilton, which is going to fl- which is going to free up nine million dollars in cap space. He's on LTIR. Do you make a move for a defenseman and a goalie? 
So right now, Tyson Barry is the name that's being pe- tossed around. To me, Tyson Barry is like an offensive defenseman, right? Like, I don't know if he, I don't know if he's the guy. I don't think he's the guy. Okay. All right. So you don't think Tyson Barry's the guy? Neither do I. We need we we may need a defenseman. I do you think that Nemitz is going to be up with us for the rest of the season? I think Nemitz is up with us for the rest of his career. Okay, cool. So do I. I hope so anyway. I don't care about burning an entry level contract year or anything like yeah. that. Okay. So let's get into there's goalie targets. My target that I brought up to you on multiple episodes was Jacob Markstrom because it looks like Calgary is trying to burn it down. Um, and Markstrom is a reliable goalie for sure. I'd rather him over Gibson, but let's talk about if the devils were to try to make, and they talk and people have been talking. There's been reports about Fitzgerald going out there and really trying to pursue a goaltender. Keep in mind, you're going to have to fight with the Edmonton Oilers who are also looking for a goaltender who are in a much dire situation than we are They're They have dry and David's contracts that have been coming up in the next two years, if they don't get a goaltender, they could potentially lose their entire franchise. So they're in a little bit of a different situation than we are. But um, you have a guy like Seamus Casey. And Seamus Casey has been playing phenomenal for Michigan. You saw the highlight reel goal that he had the other night. I, I believe it was yesterday. You start talking about acquiring goaltenders. There's a couple names that have come up. One of them is, well, there's UC Saros, but on the same team is Askarov. And Askarov was drafted number nine overall by Nashville, Russian. He's played in all the biggest events. He's was, you know, basically titled the next biggest thing coming out as far as goaltendings. What's weird with him is he catches with his right hand. So he catches, so he catches, shooters off guard because when they come down on him it's backwards you know what i mean so that's the whole thing and he's played in some really high profile games and looked really good um would you be willing to give up a seamus casey for an askarov and if you would do you think that's something that barry trotz and the nashville organization would be willing to take knowing that they have uc soros and they don't plan on moving him anytime soon (laughs) Um, I think I'm getting a little nervous. I don't want to say the season is gone, but I'm getting a little nervous that we're reaching a point where we could move an asset, a lot of assets for a goalie or a defenseman or both and still end up missing the playoffs. And then it's like we just gave up a lot for nothing. Yep. Um, so I'm getting a little nervous about that, but the time is now they have to do something before this big, big road trip out West. Um, I think I would, um, because quite honestly, they don't, there aren't a lot of other options. Um, if Fitzgerald were to believe that Oscarov is the guy, um, I'd be willing to trade Seamus Casey knowing how deep we are defensively. Um, not right now, but you know, in the future, um, I would do it. I would do it. I think that, and I think that Nashville might ask for a little bit more than I just agree. Seamus Casey. I agree. Uh, so you're looking at, you're looking at Seamus Casey. Plus. I would think they would do, and they'd have to do another player 
and a draft pick. Is that is that too crazy? I think that's what they would ask for. Yeah, so I had talked about it with my brother, the big tickle, and my dad and a couple other people. I think that, to be honest, there's not that much room for Casey on our roster. Playing on the right-hand side, yeah, Dougie's yeah. going to come back in a year. You're going to have Nemitz. You're going to have Marino. I mean, it's the the highest position that he could play is the third pairing right hand D spot D spot. Um, he's very talented, which is great because it off, it lends itself to us as far as a trade chip goes. So that's great. So originally I had thought to myself, they would probably want more than Casey. So they would probably want Casey. And let's say, I don't know, let's say you did a gave him a second rounder or something like that. Then I thought to myself, and people are not going to like this, but hear me out. Would you give up Dawson Mercer for Askarov? Before you immediately say no, and before all the people that are listening to this immediately say no, think about it. Dawson Mercer is going to be up for a contract. He's going to want $6 bucks, let's say, $5.5 million, let's say. He's playing wing. It's like... You're going to have a franchise goalie compared to a third line or second line winger. I I brought up trading Dawson Mercer earlier in the year, earlier on on this podcast. Um, I think it, not that I necessarily want it to happen because I do love Dawson Mercer, but the more I think about it, the more it makes sense. You know, I honestly feel like. Fitzy will move on from him anyway, if because I don't think he's going to pay him six million bucks. Right. I, I I don't. Somebody else will. I don't think Fitzy will. Um. So why not? Why not? If it if it sucks, means, you know, it's just it the world means, of hockey. Yeah. If it means getting a goaltender that's going to be your franchise goalie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And has the reputation and has played in the big games and shown you everything that you've seen out of the greatest goaltenders that are in the league right now. Um, it is a big risk because the goaltending position is such an enigma. And one day a goalie is the best goalie on the planet. And then the next day they're ranked 45th in the league. You know what I mean? So it is like no one, there's nobody out there that could ta- that can tell me with a straight face that they know exactly what a goalie is going to do, or this goalie is, you know, can understand what makes a goalie great and what doesn't, you know what I mean? Um, but we are getting to a point, And if Askarov is out there, which I hope that would be to me is the best case scenario because he's probably 22 right now. Um, and goalies typically, come into the league around 24 years old. If he's as good as we think he is, he could probably play at 23. Um, you could have a Schmid and Askarov tandem, and I would feel pretty comfortable with that, to be honest with you. I'm saying even going into next year. But, um, you know, and a couple of the other names that were brought around. So I like Markstrom. I would make a trade for Askarov if that was an opportunity. People have been bringing up Jake Allen. I'm not really into Jake Allen. Jake Allen is playing okay this year. I get it. It's not that big of a – it's not – to me, it's just not that big of an increase in the position. So uh, whatever you'd be giving up, I feel like you'd almost be giving away. I think Dawson Mercer and Seamus Casey is a small price to pay for a potentially franchise goalie. Now, not sitting here crowning 
Askarov, like, you know, as the savior, right. but I'm willing to take the chance. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't even know if I would trade them both together, but I would, but I would use, I might be able to use two of those players and then, and then put together a, pieces around them. That would be in, intriguing to Nashville. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's just been, the devils have a road trip coming up right now. They need to start winning games. Otherwise this season could be get away from them really quickly. And, uh, and you're right. You don't want to start chasing this season and giving away assets and, and mortgaging the future, trying to save this existing season. Um, I feel like the, the San Jose loss was, was, it really hit. It really hit. Like you could have had four in a row. You could have felt good going on the road. There is something about going on the road where the team bonds a little bit better and these, you know, and they just, they just blew it. And it, it was like, it was a horrible performance and they, and they played, they actually didn't play so bad. They had a couple defensive breakdowns, but they weren't able to finish. And it was just, the boo birds were out. There was fire Lindy going on. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And I feel like, I feel like me and you like want to be like mad, but like from our conversation, it's just like depressing. You know, it's no, just I'm like, I don't, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not like, I think, yeah, it's just like, we're both, I think we're both just disappointed with the season. Like, I feel like I should be going on like a tirade because they lost to the Sharks. And I'm just like, they, they just squandered such a good opportunity to have four wins in a row and hit this road trip feeling good about themselves. And now it's like, okay, uh, things starting to get really, really, really real if they, if they keep playing like this on this Western road trip. Like, they're going to put themselves in a situation they can't get out of, and it's only December. You know, you look at, like, I'm looking at the stats here. San Jose had 31 block shots compared to 10 block shots versus the Devils. And I get it, like, majority of the play was played in the San Jose, San Jose's, you know, defensive zone. But, my God, like, at some point, they need a save. They need just a save. At I some need point. a save. You know what I mean? Like, they haven't gotten a save all season, and it's, it's, really, it's really catching up to them. Oh. So this year they or this this year this week they go on a, their Western Canada road trip, and we got a couple of late games. I hope you guys are going to be up for them. Make sure you get your siestas in during the day on Tuesday and Thursday because you're going to have a 10 p.m. matchup versus Vancouver, who is really hot this season. Um, you know, you look at Quinn Hughes, who probably is the candidate, the front runner for Norris Trophy at this point, uh, and then they have a 10:30 start for Seattle on Thursday. And that's pretty late, like 10:30 game. Um Yeah. Uh what's cool is two of the games are this weekend. One of them is in Calgary on Saturday at 4 p.m. and then the second is in Edmonton at 4 p.m. Uh Calgary, like I said, is unloading pieces and trying to figure out what their f- next step in their future is, but Edmonton has changed uh their coaching uh, they've made coaching changes, and they're still – they have not given up on this season at all yet, and they can't do that with Dreisaitl and McDavid in the lineup. They have too much talent. They know what they're capable of. They're going to want this game. They need this game even more than we do. 
uh, matinee at home in Edmonton. I would be the Devils need to come out fast for that game. And then they come home and they play the Bruins. And it's like that doesn't get any easier either. So I don't know. We had a couple late we had a couple layups with Columbus and San Jose and we just kind of gave them away. And one of the things I talked about was if the Devils were going to play the way they did versus Pittsburgh and they're going to show a lot of heart, come from behind the way they did versus the Islanders, that's great. But here's the thing. If you play that good moving forward, you, you have to win because if you don't win, it does not matter. So there's no more like the way that we did looked last December where we played some good games, but we were on a losing streak and you thought, it's okay. I like the way that we're playing. We keep playing like this. We're going to win majority of our games. We don't have that luxury anymore to where this is it, dude. Like you need to figure out ways to pull out W's, whether it's ugly, whether you play good, whether you play bad. And if not, this could, we're going to know a lot. By the end of the month, we're going to know where the Devils sit, if they have a chance to make the playoffs or not. Playoffs? You kidding me? You kidding me? I ain't talking about playoffs. Yeah. Uh, No, it's just, it's, I'm just like utterly sad. You know, we all, we all came in with such high hopes, um, just these great expectations and we've fallen flat on our face and it. It's just like I feel like – and I still feel like they're good. I still feel like it's there. You see the glimpses of it um, and then they just blow it against these god-awful teams that they should they should beat up on like Columbus and San Jose and they're just – they look uninspired. It's just like – and I, it's just frustrating. It's just so beyond frustrating and – um, I'm getting to a point where I am fully, I said it um, the last time I was on, you know, the fully on board, the fire Lindy train, you know, I think maybe it isn't his fault. Maybe it's not, but something's, something has to change. Fitz needs to make a move or I know he's, he's three options. I mean, like he's got to make a move. He's got to fire Lindy. He's got to do something. He's got to do something. Something has to change. Or he sits pat and punts on the season. I mean, I don't want him to punt on the season. Like, I would like... I think Fitzy has this idea of what the devil, what he wants the Devils to be, and that's consistent, like, the, the Bruins model. That's what he, that's what he mm-hmm. says. Consistently, consistently in the hunt for the playoffs, you know, we're never punting. We're always in it. And I think he's... I don't think he's going to punt on the season. I just... I think he does. He has his hands tied. I think, well, not tied, but you know, I think everybody in the organization likes Lindy. I think all the players like Lindy, and but something has to give. Like when you're losing to San Jose, that's a fireable offense. Yeah, I mean, they scored more goals versus the Devils. They scored the same amount of goals versus the Devils that they scored out of all of their games combined on the road for yeah. the season. Lou Lamorello so that, fires that coach. Oh man, that's he Lou's behind the bench yelling at yeah. people at in that the third point. in the third period. Yeah, um, one of the guys is Isaac Poulter, who is the goaltender for the Utica Comets right now. He's got a two point five nine goals against average and a nine point one five save percentage. He's looked really good. He's somebody that people have been talking about, and maybe just give him a look. Like, at, why not? At this point, what? How could it hurt? You know what I mean? It can't. Um, it's a shame that Nico Dawes is hurt and uh, is taking a minute to come back. But um, 
I don't they know. They can't get any worse than giving up six goals to the Sharks. So right. why not? Yeah, I'm open to anything at this point. Um, like you said, it, you know, I was I was down by the glass because I wanted to see Nemitz lap or whatever. And I was with my kids, and I'm pointing out, and I'm like, oh, look, there's Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer's back. And then, oh, look, there's Nico Heischer. And then, you know, oh, there's Luke Hughes. There's Jack Hughes. There's Jesper Bratt. Like, there's Alexander Holtz. And you start going through the amount of talent in this lineup. And you're like, how could we be losing? We, there is so much talent. It's insane. There's we no lost excuse. To a team whose best player has been Fabian Zetterlund. And, there's there's and, just no excuse. And like people are like shitting on Timo Meyer. Would I say that Timo Meyer has not produced as much as I like him to for a guy that's getting paid as much as he is? Sure. But he had 11 points in 15 games before he got hurt. He just came back. You know what I mean? Like he's always taken a minute to get started. I think Timo Meyer adds something to the team that our team really doesn't have as far as physicality and being a power forward and going to the net and getting dirty and getting in the face of people and annoying people and doing all the like the the little things that maybe don't still show up on the chat, uh, stat sheet. But we got way too much talent to be just like hemorrhaging losses to the Columbus Blue Jackets and the San Jose Sharks. Like we're better than that. Timo Meyer is not the issue, folks. Like. Why don't you just no. uh, anybody no, saying no. that? Why don't you Why don't you just sit the next couple plays out? You know, yeah. like, um, I it's like we're both. I we're just like so sad talking about this. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I you know, I don't know. It's getting uh, away. It's getting away from us. It's it's definitely getting away from us. And I would like, I'd like to see something new. I would. I'd like to see them try something new. Whether that be sure. firing Lindy or bringing up bringing up Poulter, sure, try something. Who knows if you bring up this kid from the AHL and he plays one, he plays a good game. That might inspire. That might change the whole goddamn season. Yeah, you know, like the fire under your gold, your, your Schmidt and Vanacek's ass. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anything, anything. Just try something, please. Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I wish we were talking about a four game win streak. This is this is a sad podcast. Yeah, this was this was depressing as shit. <laughs> oh man. Well, I mean, I don't really I don't really have much more. Like I don't know what to say. Like I'm at a loss for words. I'd like to see them make a move in net somehow. If you need to go out and make a goalie trade, and if you have to trade somebody, if you have to trade a Mercer or a Casey or a Holtz or whatever you have to do, like you can't win without goaltending. And <laughs> and right now we don't have goaltending, so we're just kind of sitting here. And one day, uh, you know, Schmidt's going to stop forty four pucks of forty seven. The next day, he's going to let up five on seventeen. So it's like it's really hard to to have a game plan for for that kind of net minding. You know what I mean? So we're in a rough spot. Um, yeah, I don't know. You got anything else you want to touch on? No, uh, nothing. Uh, it's sad. I'm going to give a shout out to my guy, Bob. Uh, he sits behind me at the devil's game, older guy. Uh, he's the best. He's actually going to the game in Seattle. Uh, so Bob, if you're listening, hope you have fun, buddy. Bobby boy, make us proud. I was like sitting next to some guys, uh, at the Columbus game 
I wasn't sitting in my normal seats. I was sitting a couple row, a uh, couple sections over, and there were like two like old timer dudes who were with their like two friends in front of them. They were both like maybe in their seventies, and they were funny as shit, man. There are some OG. There are some OG Devil fans out there. Like, oh, that's Bob. And it's like so, Devils fans are not just on Twitter. So Twitter people need to get that out of their head. You know what I mean? Like there are some OG yeah. dudes out there who have been following the, the team for a very long time. And shout out to those guys because they're the funnest. Those are the funnest yeah. guys to talk to. And like they have the funniest things to say and the funniest comparisons. And like um, that's what I'm turning into. I'm turning was, into the old guy. Yeah, you're turning into your you're turning into your father. Right. <laughs> I actually wa- I actually wanted to tell you. I actually wanted to tell you. I actually was able to make out where you sit at the Islanders game. Okay. And, you know, when we were losing, when we were losing, I was going to tweet out. You know, um, I'm going to live uh, live broadcast if I see Billy choking on something. Stay tuned. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, and then and then like immediately like as I was typing it, uh, the devil scored. I was like, oh, all right, oh, we're yeah. back. All right, we're back. <laughs> Yo, we made it. My dad's on like the the jumbotron every game now from Newark Airport, holding up the trap sticker. Wait, really? I did. Yeah, yeah. He's he. It's like a. It's like pictures of like oh photos of Devil fans, and he's on it. He's been on it every game for the past four games. Oh, I haven't and, noticed. And it. you're also on the jumbotron during warmups. You- <laughs> I still haven't seen it. You're I still haven't there, seen you're it. You're on there leading the devil's chant on there in high def, dude. It's in high def. I know. I got. I don't get there early enough to see it. I got. It's <laughs> the air's like half an hour before the game starts. I think. I got to. I got to get in there early one night. You'd be proud. You'd be proud. All right. Somebody, um, if anybody listening wants to video, if they get there early for warmups and they want to videotape that, please send it my way. <laughs> I know you would think that I would do that being that I go there for warmups with my kids and stuff, but I just like in my, my head's so far in the clouds. You know, what's cool is, uh, I sneak in, I sneak in my own drinks and my own food. Ooh, they're going to, they're going to come after you. Yo. So I, I put, uh, I'll like put like, you know, my own bottles of water and like for my kids, I'm saying I don't, not alcohol. Yeah. And then, uh, I'm like sneaking different beverages. Yeah. Some like (laughs) Swedish, some like Swedish fish and like some starburst and stuff like that. And then there's like 500 starburst rappers on the ground underneath. (laughs) Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no home games this week. So, but, uh, I don't know, maybe if you're around this weekend, what do you, oh, where are you going? What do you got planned for this weekend coming up? I'm off. Actually, no, I'm not. I'm, well, I am off, but I'm actually going to army Navy this weekend. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Go, Ar- go Army v. Navy. Sick. Um, nice. Well, well, we'll probably do a podcast maybe Wednesday or Friday after the games. Like, sound good? You got it. Nice, Patty. Thanks for hopping on, dude. Uh, I hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, the Giants didn't lose this weekend, so that was good. And um, You've been listening to The Trap Podcast. My name is Bill Botch. Make sure you subscribe, share, like, all that good jazz, and we will talk soon. Peace. See you guys. I want to tell one of some guy story about some psychedelic woman. I see this kind of psychedelic woman for some nightclub, and I ask him, see The shoe way you get that kind of tall bottom. Now what? Them cat means say that dress where woman they wear. Where they see all them legs. Anyway, as for me, as I say, that one.